This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. When our water heater broke down last month, it was a nightmare. It took five hours for the plumber to show up, and he charged us a couple of hundred bucks just to come out. Then it cost another $1,800 to put in the new water heater. By the time it was all said and done, I felt like I'd been taken. But what else could I do? The smartest thing you can do is get a home warranty from American Residential Warranty. Their home warranties pay to repair or replace all your major appliances when they break. And they will break. And at the worst possible time, call American Residential Warranty right now for free information on home warranties starting at just pennies a day. Don't wait for your refrigerator to stop running or your ceiling fans to stop turning. Call American Residential Warranty right now. Ask how you can save up to 50% on wash and dryer coverage. Just call 1-800-686-3910. That's 1-800-686-3910. Again, 1-800-686-3910. Call now. Partners, we are back live. Pretend it's Sunday. Yesterday, you know, the morning after the New Hampshire debate. Uh, pretend it's Wednesday. The day after the primary. Yes, I offer you both two, two, count them, two big analysis shows in one. We are the Blaze Radio Network, Excelsior. Best and brightest, I'm Jay Severin, and I greatly appreciate your being here. Thank you for choosing the Jaily News, published, i.e. broadcast, only on the Blaze Radio Network. one 888 Permit me to start off with a question so that you know I invite your calls sooner rather than later. Uh... As this week progresses, it will be, I think, a little harder to, a little more difficult to get on the air as quickly as you might like because of the dearth of information we're going to have and I trust, you know, of of fellow callers. But here are the questions. Did anybody win the debate on Saturday night in New Hampshire? And by win... We can define it any way you like, but I think we generally, consensually agree that winning means you either improved your position or hurt your chief competitor's position, which, frankly, operationally, are the same thing, no? So you and you enhanced, improved your position by virtue of your appearance slash performance in the debate Saturday night. True or false? And who are you? Who did that? Who who lost, by virtue of the mirror image definition, who lost on Saturday night in New Hampshire? Short form, it's Sunday morning, which I'm asking you to pretend it is. We get a redo 
Groundhog Day. It's it's Sunday morning, and as you reflect on the debate Saturday night, uh, presuming you saw it or tuned into Doc and Skip and I uh, on our Blaze After Dark special, what's your impression? For, based on the news coverage, even though, wink, wink, it's yesterday morning, we're role-playing, we're pretending here with no leather. Uh, let me see. Talk much? The lips warmed up here. No leather, but pretending, role-playing. Uh, based on the news coverage, perhaps, is it being presented in your mind, one way or the other, that somebody won, somebody lost? I, I, I want to return to a few of the other. That's, that's, that's one of the questions. That's the big question. Uh, also, who do you think will do well? Or what other impression have you, what expectation have you of what's going to happen tomorrow in New Hampshire? one 3393 First caller gets an autographed picture of me. Uh, second caller gets two autographed pictures. <laughs> no, just a... Uh, Kidding, of course. We, we we don't have any autograph pictures, and you don't want one unless you have a dartboard. Uh, going into Saturday night, going into Saturday night before the debate, I said that I uh, it, it, it appeared to everybody. Uh, and there's no prediction. It wasn't then. To everybody, it was Trump, Rubio, Cruz, with some fairly odd people surging. I don't mean odd people. I mean odd choices, unusual choices surging. And I said, it's everyone believes right now it's Trump and then Rubio Cruz or Cruz Rubio. Uh, but I have a feeling that within a day or two, you're going to be hearing other names included in there. Names like, well, all of the rest of them, probably except for Dr. Carson. I think you're going to be hearing John Kasich's name, I said, in particular. Rubio is surging, apparently at the right time. That Then came his debate performance. Another question is, when I say Rubio's debate performance, either by having seen it or by having viewed, consumed any news since then, do you get the impression that there was a, quote-unquote, Rubio performance in the debate that, that is you know, going to matter to him one way or the other? Do you know what I'm referring to? Is it media myth or... Was there really a was there really a moment there for Rubio? One triple eight nine hundred three three nine three. Uh, I also said Saturday night that don't be surprised if this is an upside down state. Now I'll tell you as we go on today and tomorrow, I'll tell you more about New Hampshire. Um, there are two things I can't recall whether I've ever mentioned. One is that I founded my grade schools. Uh, civics club <clears throat> while in the sixth grade and its newspaper. Brittany, do you ever recall my having mentioned that? Brit? Brittany, Houston. Okay. Yes, Mission Control. Are you there? Oh, sorry. No, I just wondered had you ever recalled my having mentioned that I founded my grade school's civics club? <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Brittany. So I'm glad I mentioned it now. Uh, and the second thing I don't know if I mentioned is I think I'm the only guy on the radio that has actually 
twice brought a candidate, client, to the New Hampshire primary and once won it. So I know a little bit whereof I speak uh, when I speak with particularity to the New Hampshire primary. And one of the things, few of the things, not widely known uh, about New Hampshire that I think you might find of interest, it's an open state. Now, you might find this absolutely appalling because it can be used to appalling ends. You know, in the in the hands of mischief makers, this can absolutely make mischief, serious mischief. Otherwise, it has served New Hampshire well for 300 years. But New Hampshire is peculiar in a number of ways. One of those ways, it's an, an entirely open state. What do I mean by that? I mean that anybody... And I mean anybody, so long as you can prove you are who you claim to be. In other words, you just have to have a photo ID that matches your name. If you have that, it doesn't matter if you're registered. It doesn't matter in which party you're registered. If you are unregistered, you can vote. If you're not from New Hampshire, you can vote. And you later could file a like provisional statement of residence, you know, intention of residence. If you are from New Hampshire and you are registered as a Democrat, you can walk in and vote in the Republican primary just to make mischief. You can vote for what you regard as the weakest Republican candidate, right, in order to make mischief or anybody else in order to be manipulative by way of mischief. If you are a registered Republican, you can vote in the Democrat primary. If you're a registered independent, you can vote in either of the party primaries. It's an open state. Anybody can vote by walking in any for anybody. No, that's it. No rules. Just right. Like Outback, Mike. Uh, it, it, it is a state in which people regard their, when asked, their political position as, I don't know. We call that in the business a DK, don't knows. And they're usually pretty small. They have in the last 20 to 25 years grown voluminous. Nowhere have they ever been as voluminous as they have been in states like Iowa and New Hampshire, where they regard their being bachelors, if you will, electoral bachelors, They regard that as a badge of honor. Now, I get it, part of it, but I still, if they're just saying that to pollsters, I understand it, in order to get courted by politicians and have attention lavished on them by the media because they're an uncommitted voter. Okay, I get that. But can you imagine if you actually do live in New Hampshire and you still don't know for whom you're going to vote? I have watched people interviewed in the last 72 hours, uh, New Hampshireites, who go down their list of uh, four, five, six, seven candidates, including candidates of both parties and a wacko write-in candidate, and they still don't know for whom they're voting. I, 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 I could never feel that was a badge of honor, but some people do. Bear in mind, this could mean something unexpected. For tomorrow. For instance, for instance, next. Jay Severin. On the Blaze Radio Network.
When our water heater broke down last month, it was a nightmare. It took five hours for the plumber to show up, and he charged us a couple of hundred bucks just to come out. Then it cost another $1,800 to put in the new water heater. By the time it was all said and done, I felt like I'd been taken. But what else could I do? The smartest thing you can do is get a home warranty from American Residential Warranty. Their home warranties pay to repair or replace all your major appliances when they break. And they will break. And at the worst possible time, call American Residential Warranty right now for free information on home warranties starting at just pennies a day. Don't wait for your refrigerator to stop running or your ceiling fans to stop turning. Call American Residential Warranty right now. Ask how you can save up to 50% on washing and dryer coverage. Just call 1-800-686-3910. That's 1-800-686-3910. Again, 1-800-686-3910. Call now. The Jay Severin Show on the Blaze Radio Network. And my partners on the same Blaze Radio Network. I'm Jay Severin, the number one triple eight nine hundred three three nine three. New Hampshire primary tomorrow. Big deal. Last chance saloon. End of road, I think, for some warriors out there. Whom will decide their fate during the show today and tomorrow. But some are politically dead men talking. We shall see. Just to finish quickly before we're going to the phone, it's got partners on the phone, partners on the phone. Um, but two more things about New Hampshire. One of the things I have said from for a long time, but most recently Saturday night with Doc and Skip, is that don't be surprised if two things happened tomorrow. As a result of these elements, oh, sorry, uh, these two elements I just mentioned because of the peculiarities of New Hampshire. One of which, by the way, is do you know that their state legislature, New Hampshire has one third of the population uh, of Iowa. Do I have that right? One third the territory, two thirds the votes. No, that's not right. Sorry, I got it mixed up with square miles. Never mind. But uh, it, but the, the fact is right. And the fact is, do you know how many state legislators New Hampshire has? 400. Give or take a, a few. About, about 400. And this is one of the lowest population states in, in the United States. They have like a state legislature that has 200, I think it's 44 or 344, there are nearly 400 people in the state legislature. They say, if you're not a state rep, a member of your immediate family is. Now, I'm not going to get into the weeds on that because I don't really know the weeds and more than I needed ever to to be effective, you know, for a candidate. Uh, Did I mention I twice took a candidate to New Hampshire and won it once? Pat Buchanan. Um, the great honor of my life. In any case, think about what that says about a small state that has, you know, 400 state reps. It means that everybody is in touch with local issues. Everybody 
has an opinion and everyone expects the opinion to be heard, they're politically spoiled. It's not a criticism, just an observation. Okay, what does all this add up to? How does this affect the price of tea in New Hampshire tomorrow? As I said Saturday night uh, and before, don't be at all surprised if two things happen tomorrow. One is that the vote is very, very split. I don't think we're going to see a one, two, three making up 90% of the vote, you know, 80% of the vote. I think there's a, now this will all be in my final pre poll closing predictions, Guru Jay's uh, predictions for tomorrow night. Well, AKA Mission Impossible. Even I can't pick the field in this one, but, uh, but I will. No, I will try. I, I don't imagine I'll succeed. Uh, it's going to be a split vote, I expect. In other words, I think we might see, you know, seven candidates, each with 15%, other than Trump, who I don't think it's possible to lose a 24-point. If it ever existed, I don't think you can lose a 30 or a 25-point lead in five days. You know, kick, I, I I've never seen it happen. Although I wouldn't be surprised if Trump wins, but wins by half of what he's projected to win by, in which case, you know the drill, right? The media will say, ah, Trump flopped, because that's the way the media works. The second thing that may happen is that you could take the candidate pyramid and stand it on its head. Other than Trump, It may well be, and consider this an informal preview of my prediction, take the candidate pyramid, stand it on its head. I would not be at all surprised if Ted Cruz comes in fourth, maybe fifth. It's okay. It's not going to hurt his campaign. It's not going to help it, but it ain't going to hurt it because you're going to take that pyramid, turn it on its head in a split vote, multi-candidate state like New Hampshire, I wouldn't be surprised at all if it gives a gasp of fresh air to uh, Heb, Heb, Bush, or Kasich. Kasich might come in second. Rubio, almost certainly going to finish in the top three. So we may have this thing on its head tomorrow. Mara from Arizona, thank you for your patience. Welcome. Hi. One thing I uh, forgot to tell your screener, Jay, is I actually used to live in New Hampshire. Uh, ah. So I'm not coming at this necessarily from an Arizona uh, perspective. Well, good. Happy happy for the expert testimony. No, hardly. <laughs> um, I just <laughs> wanted to give you my thoughts. I didn't sit through the entire debate, but I heard a lot of the media feedback afterwards. Um, probably I, more important. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Probably. Um, and I just want to kind of run the, the list down. I was thinking... Um, the first off, I just want to say um, Trump, I think, is going to underperform his polling. Um, I think we're going to see that all over the place Agreed. because I don't know who they're polling to get these numbers. Um, and he needs to somehow disconnect himself from that when he gives his stump speech. Um, I'm not sure he is personally capable um, in terms of his personal character to do that because he's a winner. In any um, other state, I would give you a smug professional answer and say, I'll tell you who they're polling. They're polling the people you poll. The people are going to vote who they're polling. Right. But, but and, and someone earlier had, had tweeted me, you know, I don't know, but these polls are a joke. They're not what they used to be. And I tweeted back and said, no, they're not. They're better. And they are for professionals. 
that the inside use, you know, of internal polling has gotten far superior to what it used to be. However, the horse race questions don't always hold up. You know, what gets reported in the media. And the other factor is that, the in as, as you said, with correctly, with particularity to New Hampshire, who are they polling? Because in an open state where anybody can walk in tomorrow, you know, for 14 hours, not a caucus, primary, any time from 6 in the morning to whatever it is, 8 at night, anybody can, you know, drive up, leave the motor running, run in, and it doesn't matter what party you belong to or no party or if you're registered or not. And how do you poll that? Right. And the demographics in southern New Hampshire um, probably have changed since I've lived there because I know the people. Ah, ah. <laughs> Again, I know it sounds like I'm stealing your time and I am, but you have just no, hit on ahead. my next note. But we've got about 30 seconds. So can you hold to start yeah. the next segment? Let me say as an adjunct to what you said and uh, a primer, uh, because you've got the floor, I'll shut up when we come back, is is this. Mara's just said something very important. Think of the bottom 25%, the bottom quarter of New Hampshire. It's where 90% of the votes are. And almost all of them are, we have an unpleasant word for it based on Massachusetts, but they're almost all liberals who have fled uh, hypocrites massachusetts taxes to go live in new hampshire it's where the liberal and moderate vote is there's a blizzard here right now jay seven on the blaze radio network On the Blaze Radio Network. I'm Jay Severin. Mara has been uh, kind enough to hold. Our number here is 1-888-900-3393. You might not want to follow Mara if you've heard her so far, but if you're going to be on the show, that's your choice. 1-888-900-3393. Mara, thank you for holding. And as I was kind of like forcing to get out there in the remaining seconds, and I will yield to you, uh, People may not know uh, that the 90% probably of the operational vote is in the lower third or less of the state. And that lower third of the state of New Hampshire is engulfed right now in a blizzard. Uh, And I'm I'm as far north as you can be without being, as I said, if I hit a five iron uh, off my back porch, I probably would land in Portsmouth. So, I mean, I'm, I'm very close. I'm right up there in that co- corner on the ocean where it meets New Hampshire. And so I'm there, too, and it's snowing like mad. And they're saying that if it continues or it freezes or there are plowing operations, that weather could be a factor. And if it's a factor, that means those people may not turn out, and those people tend to be, you know, most of the votes and most of the most liberal votes. All right, that having been said, Go ahead. <laughs> I was going to just say, I mean, I had a couple other comments on the media coverage, sort of turning turning corners here. Um, you know, the Christy Rubio um, interaction got a lot of play on the media. And I yep. think yep. Um, 
that doesn't help Christy necessarily, although he did hurt Rubio. I think um, Rubio, and, and I think this is sort of the general problem with Rubio as a candidate, I think he doesn't show that he can think for himself which lends you to wonder if he can be bought and sold, or has he already been bought and sold in D.C.? Um, the word used for? so far, Mara, is robotic. In fact, it's been used yep. an almost incredible number of times. Um, I would say programmatic, you know, or overly programmed, which I know is kind of synonymous, but it's not that what he says is wrong or is not part of his, you know, campaign bit, but it... It was, and some people missed this. I listened to some media. They thought what Christie was accusing him of, and I'm not sticking up for Christie or anybody else, but, uh, but, but Christie was accusing him of having a programmatic answer, N- not the part where he criticizes Obama and the Democrats, but the part where he has this formulaic thing, and it really is formulaic. He says one-third is like the stated talking point complaint, and, you know, one-third is the, I'm not going to do that. And then one-third is, when I'm president, America is going to, is the applause line. And while Christie was actually accusing him of doing it, he answered with it. Yeah. And then he did it again. And then he, he did fell. it again. Yeah, and, and Rubio voters in New Hampshire, I mean, maybe they go to Kasich. I mean, Kate Krautheimer came out and said Kasich it was pitch perfect in New Hampshire. Um, I don't see either of those candidates, and, and if you throw Jeb in the mix, um, perform, outperforming or underperforming where they currently are. I, I don't see a surprise Well, good there. for I you, actually, because Ruby, Christie Rubio hurt him. But. If you're right that Christie hurt Rubio, that doesn't mean, you know, there's no mathematical relationship there. You know, there's no correlative relationship. If Christie hurt Rubio, if Rubio was hurt, that doesn't mean that because Christie hurt him, Christie gets the votes. That would right be true on. if it yeah, were prize no, fighting. I don't think he gets you know. it. I don't think he gets no. it. No, I agree. Um, no, Rubio's I, votes don't think, go to, to Christie. Yeah, agreed. Um, and I think Cruz will um, outperform expectations uh, in New Hampshire, especially with um, the weather, perhaps. Um, and I think this is the thing about New Hampshire. I mean, they keep talking about, well, there is no evangelical vote there. And so Cruz isn't expected to do well there because that was his Iowa vote, and that's where his bread and butter was in Iowa. I think... New Hampshire is a a crunchy, granola, libertarian-leaning, leave-me-alone government state. I mean, we're talking about towns that go into town meeting and vote whether to pave roads or not. So they have a yep. great respect for I the am. democratic process. And I think yep. Cruz is the one candidate that really speaks to constitutionalism, the process, and trying to get back to basics. And I think that will play well in New Hampshire. Well, you you. Know- I don't disagree with you, but again, knowing the territory, because I've, I've had to know some of this stuff to, you know, bring a candidate there and, and win, to compete and win. Um, so you, you've got to do a crash course on a lot of this stuff. Um, I don't disagree with you. It's just that given this range of candidates and given the option of people who are kind of libertarian, kind of populist, you know, kind of maybe conservative, small C, but but nice. I mean, Kasich really is the kind of guy who might, might do well here. And I know that I know that you might frown at that, but I would remind you of one, uh, I think, fairly stunning fact. Only four years ago, four years ago from tomorrow, John Huntsman, who might as well have had on a headband 
and a, you know had a roach clip around his neck and be giving the peace sign, John Huntsman got 17% of the vote in New Hampshire, Mara. Oh, see, I like John Huntsman. I would have voted for him if I lived in New Hampshire then. <laughs> oh, I have to be going now. What, did you dial this number by mistake? <laughs> I thank you My for your candor. Slightly. <laughs> no, I thank you for your candor, and I just want to make sure the National Security Agency still has this line on tap so they can whisk you away by black helicopter 10 seconds after we hang up. No, I, I, that surprises me, and I, and I shouldn't have been because there was nothing in your analysis that in, in any sense sort of gave away your position. But, oh, so you're, you're, you're a Hunts person. Well, okay. Um, well, I, other than... I, would, I wouldn't say, I mean, my loyalties have, I, like, shifting sands. You know, I've gotten older okay. and had children right. and moved ah. west. <laughs> okay, okay. Because I was going to say, other than other than uh, coloring all of your other testimony, I wouldn't think being for husband, you know, has any impact at all on our conversation. No, but it, no, no, it's interesting, is it not, that John Huntsman, that nobody knew. Right? Nobody knew. Nobody. Nobody. Knew no. I mean, and, and he you got know, seven. You got you. Anybody who gets seventeen percent of the vote tomorrow is going to be popping champagne. Yeah, absolutely. And well, in this field, definitely. I mean, the field yeah, is right. so deep. Yep. Mm-hmm. Tomorrow, well done. Well, and we'll I, see what happens you know, tomorrow. I, Maybe we'll talk later in the week. <laughs> I, I would look forward to that. And if I ever get out that way, you know, I'll uh, maybe you can. Uh, you know, hook me up, you know, uh, clearly you've, you've got connections. And uh, so if I need a roach clip, I know the one to call now that I know that you'd be for Huntsman. <laughs> Thank you so much for calling, my dear. All right. Thanks, Jay. Bye. All right. Mara, Mara from Arizona and uh, a, a really, uh, really smart person and a good call uh, as as you are and yours will be if you make it, if you put your Finger on the digits and call one triple eight nine hundred three three nine three. Eve of New Hampshire primary. What else happens? We'll, we'll consider what what Mara said. I'm going with the split vote deal because what I know of New Hampshire, which is a fair amount. Um, did I mention that? Uh, you could end up in a field like this. I mean, look, if Christie doesn't get any votes here. Where is she going to get votes? Now, this is not a this is not logic. I admit, there's no logic to this. It's it just it's just it's really a political question. If Christie doesn't get votes, this is the thing that his advisors, uh, who are paid advisors, won't say to him tomorrow, because they no longer get paid if they tell him the truth. But the people who truly love him, his wife, his best friends, and his lawyer, will say to him. Chris, if you didn't get any votes in New Hampshire, or or by, by any, I mean not enough to make a difference, not enough to be a player, okay? If you're if you couldn't get enough votes to be a player in New Hampshire, where you have essentially resided for the last three months, if you can't get votes in New Hampshire, Chris, where's your comeback going to be? South Carolina. Same note to Kasich. Kasich, everybody's Uncle John, the mailman. And don't get me wrong, I think he'd make a superb postmaster general. 
Put him somewhere where he could not possibly do any more damage to anything, right? Nobody could F up the post office uh, anymore. So, uh, but Uncle John Kasich, he has spent more time than Christie. In fact, he has spent more time than any, did you know this? More time than any candidate, and I believe more time than any candidate has ever spent day per day in New Hampshire. And he is the crunchy, granola-friendly, endorsed by the New York Times. He was bragging about it. Now, in my day, uh, here, let me get my wheelchair out here. But no, look, as I say, I was with Pat Buchanan when we won, well, he won the New Hampshire primary. Do you think Pat Buchanan could have been competitive in New Hampshire in the same voter attitude pool where John Kasich could do well? Think about it. I mean, it's a new, it's a different New Hampshire. You know what? And it's not. I agree with Mara. It's not that it's a different New Hampshire. It's that there are more and better known players and they have a choice. They have a wider choice. And so the reason that Kasich does at all well, if he does, and I think he could, is because there are so many people splitting the vote. You know, you, I th- again, I think Trump will win. I agree with Mara. He'll underperform. You know, he's supposed to win by 128 uh, percent. I think he's going to underperform his polling, but win substantially. If he does that, whatever votes are left, you really, I think, have a viable five or six people, five probably, who could split the rest of that vote. I think Kasich could do well enough to justify, at least make an argument, to hang around, although, well, we'll talk about that next. This is Jay Febron on the Blaze Radio Network. On the Blaze Radio Network, one 3393 on the eve of the New Hampshire primary. What will happen and will enough happen that it makes a difference? If the vote is split enough, it may be that there is no definitive answer. And therefore, it, it, it may be that all of the famous reasons that make New Hampshire unique may ironically add up to deprive it of its impact because there are enough votes so that everybody, you know, there are enough independents. Independents could be 30% more, more than 30% of the vote tomorrow who just walk in and vote for either party on a whim. And that means that there's enough voting going on with independence alone, probably. That means everybody could get 10%. Not exactly a definitive uh, answer from the Granite State. Frank, Frank from Pennsylvania. Welcome back. Hey, hey, Jay. Um, I think where Rubio hurt himself, he kept trying to fall back and say that it started the same starting point over and over again instead of turning to Christie. 
and saying, well, why don't you tell us again about how you were a uh, a state uh, prosecutor? Because it's not like Christie doesn't do the same thing. He has the same habit. He throws in the same things over and over. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. Reagan was very repetitive, too. But he did it until the message got through. He did that until the message was was received i mean but he i don't think rubio knew how to respond to it that's all i i think the uh, part he, frank he some people are missing is that it's not that it was the same fact that rubio was repeating although i can't speak for christie and i think that was part of it i mean party uh christie wanted to criticize him for anything and everything but in it's fact you know, as a matter of fact as an observer of this i watched and there is a certain formulaic. Most other candidates know how to state their fact. You know, Obama wrecked the economy. You know, Obama has no foreign policy, you know, uh, uh, et cetera. How to, how, to, how to vary that in its presentation, move it around. But he always has that applause line about when I'm president, America will not be on bended knee to any foreign potentate. He always, it, it does come out a bit programmed. And even as Christie was accusing him of it, he did it again. He did it in response to the criticism and then did it again. But as to the fact part, you're <laughs> yeah, right. Ru- Ru- yeah. Rubio does what everybody, any successful politician does. You know, your pollsters or your instincts in the old days tell you what you believe and what you think will win votes. And you had damned well better repeat that over and over you know, 15 times a day at every stop. Otherwise, you don't get your message out, as you said. What What did you think of the parting, Donald's parting shot? I I thought that, that, that Trump did something, again, you never do, but that he gets away with several times. And one of them, as an example, was the inside baseball stuff where he said to people, you know why I'm not, you know why I'm getting booed? Because I don't have any supporters here. You know, uh, the, the, all the tickets tonight went to establishment people. They went to, to donors, like for Bush. And, and that's absolutely true. That is an absolute fact. Though, the, the, you know, Frank, we have to get the audiences out of the debates if we ever want to get greatness out of the debates. This is Jay Severin on the Blaze Radio Network. I know this is not exactly on the top, not 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 precisely on the topic that we were discussing, but my second favorite football team is the Denver Broncos, and the reason they are is that if you add up all the days, if I died tomorrow, the place I've spent the most time, other than the home in which I lived with my family. There'd be no contest. That would be Colorado. It's my second home. In my heart and in fact. And as a result of which, I love the Broncos. I respect Peyton Manning, uh, which ain't easy, given the fact that I'm a New England Patriots, you know, fanatic. But I am so happy that the Bronx won, only slightly more so than that the very talented, but racialist, preening, egomaniac cam newton lost dab that very toss 
I see. I'm Jay Severin, and this is the Blaze Radio Network, and you are the best and brightest. And I just happened to see come across the wire from the BBC, deaths of 30 sperm whales in North Sea. Uh, And that makes me sad. It also makes me concerned for the safety of Hillary Clinton. Uh, I haven't seen her yet on Panovision yet today. So if someone could let me know she's okay, Uh, because, you know, sometimes they don't get these counts exactly right. It could be 31 whales. So I'm 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 very concerned. Welcome. Our number is one triple eight nine hundred three three nine three. The the other the other uh, the other take on that could be uh, 30 sperm whales uh, missing. Hillary Clinton's comment was. Hillary, here's Hillary, Hillary, Hillary Clinton's comment as she pushed herself back from the table and dabbed at the edge of her mouth with the linen napkin was. But I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> uh, Karen from Ground Zero, Hello. New Hampshire. Yes. Welcome. Amherst, New Welcome. Hampshire. <laughs> Well, I'm getting a bit of a feedback, sorry, but can you hear me? I can hear you. It was worse while I was on weight, but now it's Well, I'm sorry for that. I'm sorry for that. Good. So, Karen, we know what's on your mind. What's on my mind is I have watched each and every debate. I am a registered Republican. I've lived in this state a very long time. I am um, watching and listening to the media is they portray what they forecast uh, those of us that live here to be thinking. And (laughs) I still, to this moment, I am waiting for discernment of truth in what I hear from a candidate. I I can't believe I'm still swaying between two of them. And um, I had explained earlier... May may we know... Oh, wow. Uh, and, And, Brittany, I'm getting a wicked repeat. Is Karen, radio on? Karen, is your radio on, hon? Um, I've got my iPad on. Maybe I don't think that's it. But let no, me check it. Probably not. Unless you're li- unless maybe you're listening to us on it. Let me turn this off, yeah. Okay. Sorry. That. Just right trying trying right. to make it uh clearer for okay. for uh for all of us. Anyway, may we know and it's I understand perfectly if you, you don't wish to share it, but if you are willing, may we know which two? Um Trump and Cruz. Interesting. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh mm-hmm. not that surprising in a way, but interesting. Where do you mm-hmm. put yourself in the William F. Buckley doctrine? I shall vote for the I, I shall vote for the most conservative candidate who can win? There is a dilemma. I want the constitutional conservative that I see in Ted Cruz, um, because I've not only lived in New Hampshire, I've lived in other places in the country. And it's a very interesting phenomenon up here where you just don't discuss politics in public anymore. Um, Hmm. And it's because, as you said earlier in the show, in this tier of the state, the majority of people come here to flee the state of Massachusetts, New York, Connecticut, and they brought with them their mindset. But there are a right. few of us that remain 
who we are, and we're educated people, and we're not um, retired people yet. You're the original independence. Yeah. Well, and again, I have matured and aged and shifted over to Republican. And where I'm at now is that I want the candidate who can win. Um, I watched the last campaign. I have two sons, 29 and 26. They're very astute, informed, conservative men. And what they hear is that they feel that they know who will bring people out to vote. And that would be leaning towards Trump because he has a. And is that what we do? Yep. So because he has an R by his name? I, I, um, you are the first person who, who has communicated with me in any fashion other than my family here. You're the first mm-hmm. person who has called or tweeted or emailed or and and expressed the same apprehension that I have. And that is well what you've said. I want the constitutional conservative. But in my heart of it. hearts, mm-hmm. I'll say what I've said mm-hmm. before. I don't know. Let's say Hillary Clinton survives to run and I, I the day I've changed my mind on the fact that Hillary Clinton is going to be not only the Democrat nominee, but the next president of the United States, I'll let everybody know. I haven't changed mm-hmm. my opinion on that. I want desperately, mm-hmm. Karen, to change it. But let's just take the first step of that. Assuming that Hillary will be the Democrat nominee, and I believe mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. absolutely that she will. I agree. Does Ted Cruz, who would be no contest no not even the blink of an eye would be the best president of this bunch but maybe the best president since thomas jefferson you know i mean Mm -hmm. i agree no question in my mind but can he beat we already know 50 percent of the vote is constituted by people for whom government is mama and dada and and they and you know if if we need to beat a freak show like Hillary Clinton, and I say this sounds awfully rough, and I apologize for my words, and I may have to someday apologize to him for saying <laughs> it, but don't we need our own? Is the argument, you know, is the question, is my apprehension. Don't we need a circus of our own to beat another circus? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I'm still, I'm for Cruz, always have been. And I'll vote for our nominee, whoever it is. But I, as far as I could tell, based on what you've said, I share your apprehensions to a T. All right. Well, and I know, and I, I finally, you know, I had lunch with my husband. I said, I need to talk this out. Um, and we, we, we are on the same page. And, and I said, I know who I want to go into the booth. and I know who I want to mark this for. And then we'll have to let the rest of the country, because I've lived in the South. I have a brother in California. I just mm-hmm. got off the phone with him. It disturbs him, the momentum that Hillary has out there. He, but he knows what he's up against. My parents in Florida, retired military. Um, you know, there's, there's a mentality. I asked my 82-year-old mother, who are you going for? She said, actually, Karen, I like Trump because he says what's on his mind. I'm flabbergasted. But again, they are looking for someone to make a, a change. And I, that's what I said to mom. I said, I like Cruz, mom. Go look at Cruz. You know, they're still out there. 
So, all right. Well, no, I understand completely. And this is, you've captured, I, I'm thunderstruck here. You have absolutely captured the dilemma in its quintessence. There are those of us who don't, and I don't want to admit this. I don't want to be a sunshine patriot for Ted Cruz. I'm for Ted Cruz. Right. But I, I, I'm just being honest when I say, uh, as, a, as someone who's made his living in politics, you know, for many years, if you just said to me blind, if you gave me the facts about everybody, and these were three candidates from the planet Neptune, and you mm-hmm. gave me a briefing on the general situation and the electorate and the profile of each candidate, I would look mm-hmm. at them and say, well, in order to beat that one, meaning mm-hmm. the Democrat, either one of them, frankly, whether it's mm-hmm. Clinton or Sanders, and maybe right. even Sanders at this point, almost inexplicably, is going to be harder to beat. But let's yeah. say it's the easy one, Clinton. I would look at that and say, well, this guy over here, meaning Trump, you know, you're up against a media, political, and existential circus, and you better have one of your own. I, and this is I, and the I worry that about my that. sons give. That's what my sons say. They say, Mom, we're, we're these millennials they're talking about. They're fortunately employed, but they're being hit hard by knowing that the world's not going to be an easy place for them to advance in unless they you know, see a big change. And that's where they come from. They said, we hear and we see what's out there around us. So, and I said that, I said, isn't this awful that you feel like you have to compromise on what you believe in, but you feel like you need to take a baby step to get to the next step, which is... Karen, do us a favor. Do me, do me and us a favor, if you will. And thank you so very much for your call and your candor. Um, Please stay in touch soon. We'd like to hear back from you maybe Wednesday and let us know how you felt things, what your feeling was as you were out and about your fellow citizens there in New Hampshire. All right. I'll do that. Thank you. The Jay Severin Show, only on the Blaze Radio Network. This is the Jay Severin Show. And these are my partners. Did you hear, Karen? It was like listening to myself played back in my own, uh, between my own ears, my apprehensions about this. And it is all derivative of the William F. Buckley doctrine. William F. Buckley, for you youngsters, the godfather of contemporary conservatism. And his doctrine is, quote, I shall always vote for the most conservative candidate who can win, period, end quote. And that is so deceptively simple and deceptively complicated simultaneously. It requires so much more due diligence on the part of a citizen than that one sentence would ever at first glance suggest, doesn't it? I will be for the candidate who is most conservative who can win. They are equal 
clauses in that sentence. And conservatives and independents and some enlightened Democrats have been arguing for more than half a century now over which clause, if either, is the dominant one. Which one in the end ought to mean more to us operationally? Which of those clauses ought dominate when we go into the voting booth? If we have someone or we have several candidates and there is no clear, unambiguous choice alone that is both the most conservative and the most electable, when we have, as real life tends to produce, as we have right now, this moment, today, February 8th, 2016, months before the election of a president, perhaps the most important in our history, and what's left of it that we're to be the same America in, the eve of the New Hampshire primary, life and politics and democracy has again produced for us, for the voters in New Hampshire and for all the rest of us, stage by stage by stage, the same conundrum. We do not have an unambiguously singular candidate who is both the most conservative and the most electable. We have one or more who is the most conservative. Uh, I believe that. I personally believe that is unambiguously Ted Cruz. So we have the most constitutionally conservative, and then we have others, one of whom, like Trump, might be more electable. What do you do when you are at odds, which is perfectly understandable, perfectly logical, perfectly reasonable, perfectly dutiful? What happens when you are at odds with the two clauses of the Buckley Doctrine? Most conservative v. most electable. I don't know. And I will admit to having come down on both sides of that in my lifetime and in my voting lifetime. I was concerned with it before I could vote because I don't know if I've ever mentioned well, never mind. One triple eight nine hundred three three nine three. What do you do when you've got one person that you believe is the most conservative, but not the most electable? What do you do when you have someone who's the most electable but not the most conservative? Okay, wrapping up any concerns I have about the debate, at least as I see here from my notes, um, the big question remains. Did it make a big difference? And uh, I think it did. I think it was a consequential debate. I think a lot of people were moved as close to a decision as they could be, especially in New Hampshire, and a lot of others of us not in New Hampshire around the country. Rubio did not have a good debate. 
Whenever you are savaged, if a candidate shows up, they're determined to savage you no matter what the cost, like like a junkyard dog, and that's what Christie was. That's not even a criticism. I just mean Christie was a junkyard dog. Christie was willing to sacrifice any other consideration for hurting Rubio. He went there to hurt Rubio. Did he succeed? I believe he did. The question is, did he hurt him enough to matter? Is it a flesh wound or did, 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 he, did he hurt him? I think he hurt him a few points, but I don't know if a few points will make a difference, but I think he did hurt him. But do those points go to Christie? I don't think so. Just because Christie hurt Rubio doesn't mean Christie gains, though that's what Christie thinks or Christie wouldn't have done it. What do you do when you have an open field like this? When you've got, we have the prospect tomorrow of having five different guys each get 15% or 17%. Well, uh, yeah, no, I'll leave it at that. I I mean, and I will make my prediction, I promise you. Uh, I can't promise you it will be a winner like Iowa's, but but I'll make it. Uh, And that's why it's Mission Impossible, I think, uh, trying to guess this race tomorrow. But one thing, the other thing that the uh, debate did do is that Rachel Maddow got up, someone whom I like and have worked with, Rachel Maddow, a questioner in the Democrat debate the other night, she got up and walked across the stage and hugged and kissed both of the people she had just been questioning. She, she walked across the stage and embraced intimately Hillary Clinton <coughs> and Bernie Sanders. And in the words of Brit Hume, showing America, she loves the Democrats just fine. Jay Severin, the Blaze Radio Network. And my partners in the Jaily News on the Blaze Radio Network. one 888 I'm in for an evening of uh, cable viewing, uh, as every single night. Um, I, I, don't, I don't know that this will ever end. I hope it doesn't. Um, <clears throat> but I'll learn a lot more because there are a few people... Not many, but there are a few people on television who, A, know something. I mean, they're smart and they have good instincts. And if you listen to them, you can actually learn something that you're not going to hear anywhere else. And believe it or not, like I would put up at the top of that list people with whom I disagree most vehemently on politics. Um. Jeff Greenfield, is he still with CNN? I don't know. Jeff Greenfield is a political genius. Uh, You might follow him on Twitter if you don't. Uh, He doesn't do a lot of heavy politics on Twitter, but he he does enough. Uh, Jeff Greenfield's a genius. Uh, uh, Jeff Zeleny, who is with CNN, senior political correspondent, 
is smart as anyone out there following politics. Jeff Zeleny, Z-E-L-E-N-Y, I believe. The, the kid was like reporting for the New York Times when he was 17 years old. And again, I don't agree. I, I, I know some of these people. I've, I've known Jeff Greenfield. I'm not sure he'll admit it, but I've, I've, uh, I've known him for 30 years. And um, <clears throat> nobody knows more. People know as much, but nobody knows more than he does. If you could see ever see Doug Schoen, Doug Schoen, the pollster, and I think you could see him every Sunday night on The Experts on CNN. I think he's usually on at 7.30 Eastern. But any other time, you could see him or read anything he says. <clears throat> and then there are people who are not terribly... B, there are people who are not terribly smart, but they're in a position to know things that they may share. You know, I, I can <clears throat> think of a dozen occasions in the last three weeks when... Someone connected with one of the major campaigns uh, blurted out something that could only come from their internal polling that I might otherwise not have known. Or, or someone else, believe it or not, even one of the reporters might report something that got leaked to them about you know the private, po- <clears throat> the private polling, internal polling of the Trump campaign shows that Three out of five women, yada, yada, yada. So, you know, at the end of the night, every night, seven days a week, you know, I turn off the television and the computers and it's like a fishing net. And sometimes at the bottom of the net at night is just like seaweed and a half blind minnow. And other nights I actually have some, you know, some, uh, some edible seafood in there, some edible brain food. So, uh, New Hampshire tomorrow could make a huge difference because of its ability to split the vote in many different directions and to be far more liberal, progressive, progressive in many ways than Iowa. You could get end up with five people with 17%. Now, that's... That's okay for some people. See, that would be great for the leaders. That's just fine with Trump. If five people get 17%, tomorrow never happened. If Ted Cruz gets, you know, 17% or, you know, within, if Ted Cruz finishes within X percent of everybody else, tomorrow never happened. He's still a leader. But for guys like Christie and Bush and Kasich, you know, tomorrow they have to make a statement with their performance or tomorrow not only happened, it was the last day that happens for them. Jacob from Florida. Welcome back. I believe it is. Yes, sir. Thank you, Jay, for taking the call. I appreciate it. My pleasure. Man, so much to talk about, but I wanted to, I want to challenge the, the Cruz electability situation a little bit on the, on the, on the big sure. Buckley question here. Uh, up or uh, down? Up or down? Oh, I believe he's electable. I, I, oh, okay. I believe he would win against Hillary. Is, is that what you mean by that question? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, good. T- uh, yeah. T- talk me off the ledge. Well, let, let me. <laughs> I'm I'm not going to pretend that he is the most 
capable of be beating Hillary in the field. I do actually believe he's among the top. And let me say, as it relates to Trump, uh, the, the Buckley question leaves Trump out of it because he's no conservative. So we don't even we don't even need to count him. But I think it, it correct me if I'm wrong, because, you know, the, the insider stuff more than I do. But the last several cycles have really come down to turnout. Uh, and that's yes. why I think you need we need a candidate that is a candidate that excites. Uh, there's got to be a major turnout uh, this cycle for a Republican to win. I, I agree that 50 percent of the electorate leans toward the handouts, but that doesn't mean 50 percent show up to vote for Hillary. That's true. I think there's a lot of people that are not interested at all in pulling the lever for Hillary Clinton. So, but do you? But do you, do you think in, in 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 put put affirmatively? Do you think that fifty percent plus one of the people who will vote in November would would be more attracted to vote? Would get more excited about a conservative Republican? than about a left-wing Democrat? Well, I think, I think uh, you know, one of Cruz's angles in this has been picking up a lot of the evangelical vote, which has stayed home in a lot of cycles. True. So you have an additional, an additional group you're adding there. Um, outside of that, I think your traditional Republican, it's time for them to come along rather than the conservatives always coming along as we have, and I think they will. And then I think you're going to have a negative turnout on, on the, the Hillary side. And that's why I think the potential is there. Uh, and, and as I, I it just wish to Trump. Yeah, I'm sorry. No, no, go ahead. Sorry. As it relates to Trump, and, and I am anti-Trump, and that's pretty clear from my, my comments. But whether we like it or agree with it or not, you've had callers to your show and every conservative Talk, talk host in this country has had callers to their show explicitly stating that they will not vote for Donald Trump. And that needs to be taken to, into account uh, when it comes to the general. I'm sure a good portion of those will come along, but you've got to do the math there and recognize that you're going to have a chunk of people staying home that are your most um, fervent you know, uh, people involved in, in, in election cycles. I don't disagree with your math. I just wish to make that, i.e., that uh, uh, people calling themselves conservatives have threatened, do threaten, and will make good on the threat to stay home. I don't, I don't uh, contest that. I do, as an editorial comment, though, wish to uh, append to your statement, if I may, that there are no conservatives. If you're a conservative, you're going to vote for the nominee of your party's choice. Or you are going to vote. And you're either going to vote for the nominee of your party or if you don't have a party, which is fine, if you're an independent, which I probably am more than anything else, uh, I'm going to vote for the person I'm going to vote. I'm going to vote for the person who best reflects. Well, I'm going to follow the Buckley doctrine to my ability. But this is, you know, this is coming from a guy who is supposed to you know, know these things and at least supposed to have a firm opinion. And I'm the guy who got, you know, threats from my own party because I was representing Pat Buchanan and he was running, you know, against the party. So I've done both. I can't, I can't claim any uh, virginity here. Uh, you know, I, I've been plagued by the question more than once. 
Well, that I mean, what do you do? You own a, do, you, do you own a do you own an exotic bird? Is that what I'm hearing, or is that a computer problem on my end? Uh, I'm sorry, just something in the background. No, it's okay. <laughs> well, I thought maybe you, are, are you calling from Lion Lion Country Safari or you know. not far from it? As a matter of fact, but no. <laughs> Well, <laughs> uh, do you got a minute for well, my, my perspective on the debate? Yeah, go. I I don't I didn't see the same debate the media saw, um, and I thought it was maybe you can maybe you can help me. It seemed like the the winner of the debate was kind of picked before the debate even happened. But did you see that pattern to that? I mean, I, well, I, you, I didn't uh, watch. Y- yes, and 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 I, again, I feel like I'm screaming into the wind off the the bow of a ship here in a, in a you know in an ice storm. I'm not sure I can be heard, but uh, yes, you're right. And the reason for that is that audience was packed. It was right. packed for one or two candidates, and they don't even deny it. Trump made the, the extraordinary thing is that a candidate happened to be Trump made the open accusation. This audience is packed. This audience is fixed. You guys did it. You gave all the tickets to the Bush donors and the Rubio donors, and uh, there are those of us, especially me, who don't have anybody in the hall. Donald Trump asked for tickets. They offered him maybe 20. Wow. The audience, because, again, if you believe, I believe... And uh, the woman, I'm only quoting her, not because she knows more than I do, but because she got her doctorate, uh, uh, whereas I didn't. Kathleen Hall Jameson, she's often quoted as the leading world authority, you know, on matters, media and political. Uh, University of Pennsylvania, I think she's a sabbatical right now at UCAL. But Kathleen Hall Jameson gave an interview to NPR last week. And it almost made me want to get out of bed and start, like, breaking things because I said, you know, yeah, I only said that nine years ago. You know, NPR, call me. You know, but what, what she said was you can't expect a, you can't expect realistically for any public presentation of anything to be the same if you've got one with an audience and one without. Now, that's just if you pick the odd, Jacob, if you pick the audience at random out of the phone book. That would still be true. The presence of an audience and the fact of their reaction to certain uh, elements of the debate means you're going to have an audience reaction. And that means people at home are going to are going to have a reaction which they may not on their own have. But if you take a, that a step further and you rig the audience so it's like a sitcom so that you have your hands on the knobs in post-production and every time someone tells a joke that you wrote, you, you're the producer, you make sure you, you jack up those knobs. You sweeten it, as they say. So you've got the laugh track here. here. Every time they tell a joke that you wrote, here's what it sounds like. And so you've got that on a computer track, and you, you hit that every time it's a joke. You want people to, and you know what happens at home? <laughs> the, the same thing. People, people laugh, or, you know, people don't. Well, this audience was rigged, not just packed, but rigged. So, yeah, I mean, I think that's one reason for it. Uh, Jacob, uh, uh, hold on. I'm not sure you're finished, but I am for this segment. Be right back. Jay Severin, the Blaze Radio Network.
Jay Severin on the Blaze Radio Network. Uh-huh. And these are my partners on the Blaze Radio Network. Jacob, um, I wanted to hold you in case you had more to say. So uh, welcome back. Okay. Well, thank you. But uh, I think we're all more interested in hearing your predictions, your picks for tomorrow. Well, I'm not yet prepared to make them. Um, I, okay. I, I, I've always reserved the right to wait until the last possible moment. Uh, in Iowa, I made them the day the day day before, and I changed one position the next day. And then the day of, I issued what turned out to be the final ones in the before the show or during the show, uh, and then uh, uh, and then I let them stand, and they were right. But tomorrow is going to be very very. Wait a second. Iowa was really, really difficult. If I don't say that, I look, I don't look as impressive. So Iowa was really hard, but, um, but tomorrow really is kind of mission impossible, but I love the challenge and we'll see. No, I'm not ready yet. I mean, I think Trump has blown some of his lead. I don't think he finishes 24 points up or anything like it. And the question really, a fascinating question is how underperforming his poll numbers does Trump has to do have to do before the media story becomes Trump's dying, right? So if he gets, yeah. if he's, if he wins and he's got 10 points more than anybody else or 15 points more than anybody else, then that's one thing. But if he wins with five or eight points, the story is Trump loses by winning. So, you know, it's, it, well, it, it's know, really screwed up in a lot of ways. If he becomes the media's punching bag again, I think that's just going to help him again. <laughs> it, it may so well, yeah. And and it now at this point, it's too it's too late. However likely or unlikely that prospect is, it's now too late for that. It's in the voters' hands pretty much at this point. And I think I think uh, my one prediction is that Trump will win, but underperform. And I'll be more. I'll elaborate on this tomorrow. But if he if he wins, but underperforms his polls, there's a certain line at which. His win will be tainted. And if you thought he complained in Iowa because Rubio got all the attention for finishing third, where do you see how he bitches everyone out tomorrow if he wins, <laughs> but he doesn't win by enough? Because he really doesn't understand this stuff. He doesn't know anything, he doesn't know anything about it. So um, there's that. And then there's how far down from second does Cruz finish? Because I don't think he's going to finish second. and um, But he has the... I think he's got the room to finish, you know, fourth, fifth, be okay. Jacob, thank you all. I start working to be worthy of you tomorrow right now. The Jay Severin Show, only on the Blaze Radio Network.